So yeah, there's a there's a principle in the the internal martial arts uh, where you gradually develop sequentially through a, a series of stages. Yeah. So even though we talk about the internal martial arts like Tai Chi or Bagua, sort of starting purely mechanic, uh, purely internally, they they don't necessarily. They still start a little bit externally because you still need to learn shapes. You still need to learn forms and and things like this. But there is then a process of principles that you develop inside the body and many of these principles um, people have problems with because especially things like fajin like the unrealistic uh, looking bouncing and things you see in these arts they create like a bad feeling but it, it's partially it's partially because i think people are still very locked in the kind of combat mindset so what if it if it can't kill a mugger or you know work in the UFC then it's not something that's very or people sort of don't understand about it or, or something but really there's a more useful fa aspect of the internal arts with regards to these principles and that's what do they do for your mind as well as your body like what do they do meditatively because for example like one phrase you often hear is Tai Chi is moving meditation right I mean that's like a common phrase that comes up but what does that actually mean like what what are people referring to with that right because just moving slowly and paying attention to your movements i wouldn't really call that moving meditation i might call that moving mindfulness but actually meditation is something else right meditation is about entering into a relationship with trying to understand the nature of the self and things like that and, and really in order to do that we're going to need some quite complex principles present in an art such as tai chi or bagua even to achieve that right it's not just going to be a case of doing the movements so what you generally find is I think that the internal martial arts world is divided into two camps often. Well, three if you count the health camp, actually. But generally you've got people that are kind of martially orientated. That's what they want. They want to use it for fighting. And they're not normally so interested in many of the really complex internal principles. And then you've got those that are really interested in the spiritual development or how can we turn these arts into a form of meditative practice or, or cultivation. And those people tend to be more interested in the internal principles. The thing like learning how to release against the point of reference and, and things which I'll talk about in a, in a second. Now, you can see why with those two, <laughs> why there's almost like a diametrically opposed argument within the Tai Chi world or the Bagua world, right? Because they're almost opposite ends of the spectrum. Although, you know, we all know from movies and stories about Shaolin and things that fighting and spirituality can be related. It's quite a high-minded ordeal to really understand that to any great length. We kind of say it, but it is quite a complex thing to get your head around. It is quite hard because it definitely goes deeper than just self-confidence or, or something like this that you get through martial arts. So what you get is this argument between what appears to be two opposite ends of the spectrum, yeah? Like fighting and, and spiritual development. So by the very nature of the fact that martial arts became the vehicle for spiritual development by these particular traditions like Tai Chi and Bagua, you can already see they were setting themselves up. It's like the arts were setting themselves up for this conflict, for, for this divide. It was almost inevitable. How could you not have a disagreement on such a complex dichotomy of these two subjects, you know? So then you've got like historians trying to say that these arts were originally for fighting and so on and so on. And like, who knows? Like, you, we can't know that. We can't know historically what they're originally for. We can't know the mind of a dead person. We can only know we can only know the writings they left behind, which to be honest, 
a lot of the writings, I mean, if you actually look at them, written in quite spiritual terminology. They do talk about the body. They do talk about combat, sure. But you've got a lot of discussions of things like Bagua and Wuxing and these kind of uh, elemental concepts that you wouldn't necessarily associate with fighting. So I'd, it's hard to know what they were for originally. But something like Tai Chi, see, like it has to go through stages. So if we look at it for someone who wants to use it for spiritual development, say, you've got like, you've got various phases to go through. The first one, what I might call the external phase, for want of a better word, when you're learning movements, you're learning the form, you're kind of learning how to operate your body. And even in push hands, you're learning how to deal with someone else's strength being put onto you without tensing against it, you know, to overcome that fight or flight. Really, at that stage, you're still dealing with the kind of the lower aspects of your mind, the, the stressful aspects of your mind, and also the discomfort aspects. Like, I think Tai Chi training should be uncomfortable at the beginning, physically uncomfortable for somebody who's after it for spiritual development. I don't think it's, if, you know, Ethel's coming along for a bit of help with her osteoporosis, I don't necessarily think she should be put through the ringer. That wouldn't be very clever. But somebody who's interested in spiritual development, the first thing they're going to need to do is suffer with their body and then learn how to release against that suffering or release the attachment to that suffering so the body can relax. Because there's a whole kind of personal development phase there because many people are too wimpy, like far too many. They're far too attached to the importance of their mild discomfort and they can't tell the difference between discomfort and severe injury, <laughs> which aren't the same thing. So I think that has to come first. But then beyond that, if you, if you really want to look at kind of spiritual development then it's almost unavoidable that you're going to have to get involved in the more complex internal side of something like tai chi or bhagwa you have to you can't stay with techniques you know you have to go with qualities because qualities are the things that are going to help your meditation because can we really say meditation is a technique it's hard to call it that i mean we have techniques you have ways of using your breath ways of using your mind ways of sitting mudras fair enough little things like that those are techniques they are things you do but they're not the mainstay in meditation are they mainstay in meditation are to do with mental qualities that you're developing on the inside of your body or it should be that's what you're you're trying to do so therefore if you're going to take an art like tai chi in my opinion and apply it to something like meditation to make it move in meditation you're also going to have to align it with that principle so it's also going to have to be about qualities more than it is about techniques right so for those who don't know what the difference is between a technique and a quality, because it, it's not immediately apparent, I try not to burn to death here. The, what I mean by a technique is like something you physically do. So somebody is pushing on my shoulder and I roll my shoulder out the way, for example, and move my body out the way and push it. That, that would be what I call a technique or a punch is a technique or a kick is a technique or moving backs and forwards between roll back and press. That's a technique. If you're a method, a technique on the outside, but it's not a quality. A quality is something that is developed on the inside. Or this is how I'm using the word to discuss it. It's something that comes from the inside. So you kind of use techniques at the beginning until the qualities develop. And then when the qualities develop, the technique can kind of fall away. And very much that's very important for the internal martial arts. Like people think internal means the chi moves or you go slow or use meridians or something, but it's not about that. For me, it's when it's has the capability for you to move from a technique to a quality um, which means a lot of mobilization on the inside and that's really where I would say something is hitting the internal stage of the the training so they describe this as form to formless 
So that's another phrase you hear a lot. So form means you need a technique. Yeah. So my form, I still have my form. Roll back, press, withdraw, push. I have my technique, I have my form. But once that pattern's been run enough and I've learned how to develop the qualities on the inside of me, then actually the external form is not needed quite so much because now instead of a form, I have a quality. Once the quality is there, the form can go. Now you're formless because now you're on a stage of equality. When you're on the stage of equality, some kind of quality building and you are gong, then really that's when you're getting to the stage where you can start to use your art for meditation. So a lot of the things like Fajin and the weird sticking jins and Anjin and Huajin and all the things people talk about in something like Tai Chi, these, these would be the qualities. These would be the things that are required for you to move towards. If you're gonna start using something like Tai Chi as a form of meditative training or as a form of moving meditation. Doesn't mean you automatically will use it as that once you've got those qualities, but at least you have the potential to. You have the potential to. Now, part of the problem is that the martial arts crowd say that the fighting side will look at that and go, well, those are just made up or mystical or they're not going to work in a cage. And the cage is the new point of reference for understanding whether something works, isn't it? Basically, as far as I can see, and and then there's squabbles, there's arguments between those guys and the internal guys. But really, like in many ways, the fighting guys are correct. <laughs> they actually are. The ones saying that it doesn't work in a cage, it's true for most people. Because to do a technique, to carry out a technique is hard enough on its own. Like if you were to take the majority of the people who've done a little bit of amateur boxing or a little bit of martial arts or something like that, and then you were to put them in a fighting situation against a professional fighter, it would be difficult for them to make a technique work. It would be very, very hard. It doesn't matter how many middle-aged fantasists there are out there that think they're kind of Bruce Lee incarnate because they've done a few Shaolin classes. It's, it's going to be very difficult to apply that technique to a trained fighter. Bloody hell, that's going to be hard. That trained fighter just take your head off. So then if you try to use a quality against a trained fighter that's going to be even more difficult because a quality an internal quality is so much more complex to develop than a technique that already you're starting to move into the realms of something that's almost impossible to apply in a completely non-compliant aggressive arena so in many ways they're right but that doesn't mean that the qualities aren't real they are real they're just difficult to apply in that particular arena so consequently what happens is you get people that study the techniques of Tai Chi and they fight, fair enough, or they fantasize about fighting, but that's another story. Then you get the people that train the qualities, kind of the internal qualities, the jins, as according to my definition of jin, the internal force, and they tend to move very quickly towards the kind of spiritual side of the practice. And I think that often, often that's their interest anyway, because they tend to be quite introspective people more introspective people tend to be interested in those things. So they tend to move into the spiritual realm and want to turn to how do I use this for meditation that becomes a study for them or they just become interested in like fucking hell this weird phenomena the body can do. But then you get the third group that develop the internal qualities or start to and then try to apply it physically realize it's really bloody difficult and become disheartened and walk away from the whole thing or move back towards the kind of technique stuff and, and I get it and I think that I understand that. I think people should move towards the camp that is relevant to them and maybe stop arguing between each other because people are doing different things. But at the same time, I'm somebody who teaches Jin. 
most people who've trained with me will have felt it or experienced it or, or know that I teach it. But I am very clear that if you want to fight somebody, which seems like a very childish thing to want to do anyway to me, but if you want to fight somebody, you're going to need a hook punch, a straight, a jab, a cross, footwork, head movement. I think those things are more realistic for, for that kind of arena. So I think as long as a teacher is honest about why they're developing the gins, which for me is because they're a fascinating way to understand the internal mechanisms in your body that can lead towards understanding that Tai Chi is a form of moving meditation. And as long as someone is honest about that, I think it's fair enough. I only think it's dishonest when people try saying, look, learn how to do Hua Jin and you'll be completely safe walking through the middle of fucking LA South Central or whatever, which is the rough bit of Philly, east or west, I get confused. Philly. South. south, is it? Oh, South Philly, okay. Whatever it is, I, you know, I think that's when it becomes problematic if you think you're going to use the gym for that. It is possible to take the gin to that level, but it, it's going to take a lot, a long time. And the only people I've met who've managed to make the gins work in that kind of arena already had a really good basis in combat through some other art. They already had that, so the gins were kind of applied on top of it. So a really interesting principle, for example, one of the qualities that can be used to develop um, well, one of the qualities that can be useful towards understanding Tai Chi as moving meditation is this principle of, of kind of how you deal with incoming force. So a lot of people, when they see something like Tai Chi push hands, the technique will be person touches, move out of way, yield to force, and push the opponent or, or something like this. This would be a technique level. And really, beyond learning to relax under pressure, I don't think it's deep enough to be useful for what we want for moving meditation really what we want is to turn that art and take it to the next stage where really these kind of internal principles are being developed so we have like we have two okay and this if I explain this this is going to be my take on it so I'm aware historians scholars people very close to scripture are going to say this is not what they talked about in the Tai Chi classics and I agree should we chuck another one on what do you reckon Go for it, fire master. But this is essentially like an aspect of my understanding from sort of practicing Tai Chi all these years. It's that we have two really important qualities, which is one is to receive the force or to yield to the force from the opponent, which is talked about a lot, yielding to the force, you know. Excuse me, smoke in my eyes. <clears throat> and then the other one is to return that force back towards the opponent or towards the partner. Shouldn't view them as an opponent, really. So when most people will translate as we yield, or many people will translate as we yield by rollback, and then we return the force by push. But uh, to me, they should be simultaneous qualities. And yielding and dodging are not the same to me. Like, they're very different things. We yield inside to the force that's coming through. So for the first stages of this, Essentially, it's a lot of relaxation and learning how to bring the person's power through to the floor and then essentially almost like a bounce, bring that force back up through the body. And, and you kind of conduct it almost like a kind of wave at first through the sort of soft bits of your body. I don't know whether it's a fascia. I don't know whether it's the soft tissues. I don't know whether it's the space between the muscles. I got no idea. I just call it the squishy bits that aren't the bones. So essentially, the force just kind of mobilizes like a wave through there. So a lot of the kind of... Um, Chen Manqing kind of style, Huang, Huang Xinxian style and stuff like that, a lot of them, that kind of work is 
often starting with that kind of mechanic. It goes deeper, but that's what they do. But still really what you have there, even on that level, if you can do rebounding of that, for, of that type quite well, you're still having two forces. You're having force in, force out. So it's a two-part process. But really to me, what I want is, in my art or, or what I try to help people develop in Tai Chi, is like simultaneous receiving and issuing. And this can only happen if you can understand how to rearrange the body, its conditions behind the point where the force is coming in. I'm aware by saying that it sounds like I'm making it overly wordy or something, but like essentially if we if I show you a kind of idea, if I don't knock my tea over, if, maybe we can stay sat down or, uh, oh, sorry, do we? Okay, so essentially, yeah, actually I'll sit down just so we stay on the camera, you're right on your knees. Yep. Yeah, just so it's people can see on the camera. So essentially what I'm talking about is, say I've got a force here from, from Rick and it's coming into the body. Now already the shape we have is already divorced a little bit from martial arts, right? So that's why I'm saying it's a little bit separate from martial arts because this wouldn't be a very common position for someone trying to kill me. But when this force is coming in, when Rick touches my body, this is the point of contact and then behind the point of contact is me. Uh, as well as behind the point of contact is him, I suppose. And inside my body, what will happen is a series of tightenings uh, in sort of reaction to him touching me. And that's providing I've not done any clever pung or anything like this. So when he pushes on me, what I feel is there's something tightening in my shoulder, maybe something under my ribs, something in my hip, even my lower back, I think a little bit. Not loads, because I'm quite capable of saying relax, but there's still something there. So the reason the body is doing that is obviously to sustain its structure. Yeah, so that behind this, it can kind of brace, yeah? So when I say brace, people think, I mean like push into the ground with the leg, but actually bracing happens in inside the body as soon as you take a force onto it, because the body has to rearrange itself so that it can take that force. If I don't rearrange myself and I stay as soft as I was, <laughs> then it can't brace against it. So there has to be some rearranging. The same will happen in Rick's body, right? because when he's pushing on me, there's gonna be a line formed through his body to go into the arm. And this will be like a path from the ground where we have this series of tightnesses. Now I want to yield to that force. I don't want it to go into me. So people think often that I yield by moving or something, or I yield by doing something to his body, to his power, but actually I yield with me. I'm the only thing I'm, in control of. I'm not in control of what Rick does at the moment. Anyway, I'm not in control. So what I do is I just, I need to take those lines of tension, the bracing, and change them. So what I do is I rearrange my body internally inside until the bracing comes off. Yeah, till the bracing comes off. And now what happens to Rick's body is gradually that force is returned back through his body, right? Bum, 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 bum. So I don't have to move or push I just play with that force, yeah? So to understand it, like, essentially, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit weird to explain, I suppose, but if your body is in perfect balance, the idea is what they call equilibrium or jongjing, or then your body is harmonized, it's balanced, okay? Everything is level. Everything is equal with regards to contraction and relaxation and space inside the body. But when Rick touches me on the arm, I'm no longer in balance anymore because some parts of my body have had to tighten up so then what i need to do is to rearrange the inside of my body to harmonize with the part of my body that's been braced 
and I know that sounds overly complicated, like almost like you're turning a physical thing into kind of a form of mental masturbation, but it's not. I'm, I'm just trying to find the best words for it because if I'm uneven when I've got the pressure coming in, I listen through my body and I song. And people think song means relax. It doesn't mean relax. It means to release anything that is stopping me moving back to central equilibrium. This is the way I'm defining it right now. So when I release the thing stopping me from moving to central equilibrium, which isn't even the tension, I'm just releasing inside, the conditions change and my body will reorganize itself to pull itself back to center. So you can think of it as being like a set of scales. This is me. Rick touches the scales, moves it out of balance. And then what I do is I rearrange the inside of my body to bring myself back to balance. When I bring myself back to balance, something will happen with regards to the force coming into my body. So now when the force comes into my body, I no longer feel it because it is dispersed, it is spread. So instead, I would call that yielding to the force. I have yielded to the force. I've yielded by allowing the inner conditions to change. That's what I've done. As soon as I yield to the force, by allowing these conditions to change on the inside, simultaneously, because, using Taiji terminology, Rick's force has nowhere to land because I've moved back to central equilibrium, I've moved back to balance, his force gets returned. So it starts to move back up through his body, it's got nowhere to go. So what it will do is it will move back through his imbalance, his structure, where he's not injuncting, and his body will start to distort or stretch or, or whatever, or react to the force coming back into his body. So if I show you again a couple of times, that was like a very slow mechanical way, right? But he touches in, okay, maybe make it uneven, yeah? So I've got uneven force, I'm not in John Ding. I song, I release, I let my body go back to center. And then there's that stretch back, back through Rick's body. Yeah, the force comes back through. Now, if I speed that up, the speed at which I song, whoop, the force is back through his body, right? So again, back through. So the force is returned. Now the advantage of this is when he touches and the force is returned, it doesn't matter how hard he pushes, I'm still free to move and it's his body that becomes distorted. Now at this stage, when I'm moving, I'm changing inside at the right speed in time with what I'm doing. So as my arms are moving, the point of reference is changing and the inside of my body is shifting inside as well. So my torso is moving to keep me in central equilibrium and as i'm doing this this is returning the force back through his body you okay buddy yep. and if i play with that <laughs> sorry last time and i'm in i song i return then of course what i do with my arms will dictate or what i do with the release process will dictate what jin pang lu an yeah so on and so on sorry <laughs> so how's it feel when you have that done yeah Compressing. Yeah, it's not very really nice, is it? No, it doesn't feel <laughs> good at all. <laughs> it's kind of like, kind of like when you push, you know? I mean, there is a more complex explanation, but it doesn't really matter because it's not an instructional talk. And that's a bit more long-winded, I suppose, to go through the processes. But it's like uh, when you push, because I'm back in central equilibrium, it's like your nervous system doesn't really understand what's taking place. So it sends the wrong message back through your body, which is what causes the compression and the stretch. So it's a really funny thing, because that kind of gin, based on Na and Hua and stuff, 
these kind of qualities rather than the, the rebounding the rebounding is something different right that's just through the body and out like a spring the this kind of gin is based really upon me changing what i'm doing inside my body i'm not controlling your body i'm allowing that to happen to your body naturally as that return force comes back through your structure all i'm controlling is me and all i'm doing to control me is song so i don't consciously contrive any kind of movement inside because i'll never figure it out if you're pushing me in a strange place and there's all this tension through the body i'm not going to figure out which part of my body to rearrange because i'm not a fucking genius i'm a moron so therefore i have to simply song and because of all of the forms practice and the stands practice standing practice and the mobilization of the force in the inside i trust that my body knows how to find its way back to central equilibrium one of the main exercises is this is jam jong and people think our oh, jam jong is for circulating chi or something and maybe but to me more importantly it's teaching your body where central equilibrium is because essentially whatever position i'm releasing into it's almost like it tries to find that jam jong shape within your within your structure so this to me like I say is yielding yielding to the incoming force not bracing not butting, not withdrawing, not running away, not retreating, however the Tai Chi classics worded. And then that force is returned back into you. So you receive your own power. And you were pushing quite lightly, so it sort of goes slowly through your body. But if you jam it with force, then, then you get a more dramatic result. So it is weird. I kind of get it when people don't see it and they don't believe in it. Yeah, I get it. I understand, you know. And there's all those videos of MMA fighters punching someone in the head or something like that. and. Uh, it's true, like I get it, because there's certain parameters that need to be there in order for that gin to be able to express itself. Certain conditions need to be there. So, for example, you were pushing on my arms. I need you to do that. I, it's not like you were throwing a hook punch at my head or trying to kick me in the shin or rugby tackle me or something like this. You were specifically pushing onto my arms, allowing me to mobilize the force. So it, it is a contrived setting. And the gin, for a long time, and for most people will never get beyond the contrived setting like it's what's required so free combat no that's very very difficult and also at the same stage like the more mobile your partner's body inside with regards to their tissues are the more that reaction is going to appear in their body so some people with not very mobile tissues it's not such a dramatic response generally what you find is they just push on you and can't find their power which is still quite funny because they don't understand where their strength is gone, but they don't necessarily sort of distort or twitch or, or bounce or something like that, you know. So it's not, it's not brainwashing, it's not hypnotizing like people think or anything. It's just there's certain conditions that need to exist in order for it to happen. So if I were to teach combat, which I do actually, I quite enjoy it on a childish level, I would teach striking and kicking and locking and throwing and ground fighting and things like that. And, and these qualities to me are more like the art side of tai chi this is the art of bagua the art of tai chi so like final thing really is how does that apply to meditation like what's the point of that to me it all comes down to like when you're pushing on me what you're giving me is a point of reference or a point of stress so the contact between your wrist and my wrist or my forearm whatever is a point of stress a point of reference and what i'm learning to do is from that point of stress point of reference i'm running away i'm not trying to push it away i'm not trying to deal with it even necessarily i'm not dealing with the stress you're giving me i'm not dealing with you for giving me that stress i'm dealing with me i'm dealing with how am i reacting to that stress am i butting against it uh, stress am i running away from it 
am I unable to process it so it catches me? Or am I able to release comfortably, trusting that the mobilization is enough and that my body knows how to find center enough that it will return to center and thus neutralize that stress? That's the basis of it. And because I've done a fair bit of training, I do trust my body and most times, even monkeys fall out of trees, but you will, that the body will find its way back to center and thus the stressor is neutralized. So useful for combat, maybe in a tenuous way, but more useful for me for meditation because a stressor in this case can be your arm pushing on my wrist, your hand pushing on my wrist. But a stressor in meditation can be a thought or a thought stream or an emotion or whatever, it doesn't matter, something that is disturbing you from your practice. Or in some cases, it can even be your relationship to the object of meditation can be a stressor. Anyone who's done a lot of meditation based upon um, interaction with an object of meditation, whether that's an object of thought or a physical object or your breath as an object, doesn't really matter will know that often there's a kind of mental stress or tension that actually appears between you and the object at first and it almost throws you out of unifying with that object and it's a very difficult process to come to terms with. So some people try to relax to get past it. Well, that's the equivalent of yielding and running away. Some people try to focus and concentrate. That's the equivalent of butting or pushing or bracing against that stressor. So both of these are wrong. But some people know how to use that object as a point of reference and then release, not run away, release, so that everything within their mind, within their awareness, within their consciousness, reorganizes itself in relationship to that stressful object until the stress of the object disappears. And at that stage, you're able to either integrate something that wasn't supposed to be there within your practice, like a runaway thought, or you're able to unify with that object in some cases. So it's a, a mental training tool for leading you towards that kind of practice of meditation. One of the greatest beauties of like humans is essentially, excuse me, the gas, the smoke's all coming this way. One of the greatest beauties of humans is our mind-body connection. And this is really where Tai Chi is moving meditation comes from, because maybe we could rename it as moving through Tai Chi to help our meditation. <laughs> is that when we understand something in the body, somatically, tangibly, physically, we often find that it, not always, but often, that it subconsciously transfers into our mind anyway. It's kind of a byproduct of somatically understanding something. So if I were trying to reorganize my awareness in relationship to the stress of a mental object, that wouldn't be easy. Oof, that would be a headache, because the mind is hard to work with, because by its nature it's intangible. But if I can somatically experience it and master it within my body through something like Tai Chi or Bagua, reorganizing myself against the relationship or the point of reference of the stress that's coming at me, then it's not long before that travels into the mind. So that then when you're sitting, when you're practicing meditation or you're trying to do something like this, then when you, that object comes up, you trust yourself and you release. Don't release the object. Don't release the thought. Trying to release the thought is the same as me trying to release your tension rather than my own. You know, like I'm in control of me, not you. I'm in control of my reaction to a thought, not the thought. So I don't release the thought. I release myself in relationship to the thought. But the more you do something like Tai Chi and this kind of skill, the more that will carry over into meditation anyway. So that's my log answer.
to how is Tai Chi, like, or how are the internal arts something that are useful for mental training, you know? So again, like, finally, I hope people listening to this understand that I'm not an idiot. I'm slightly crazy, maybe, but I'm not an idiot. And I don't see the kind of internal forces from Tai Chi or Bagua being something that's going to revolutionize cage fighting or something like this. And I think that uh, I'm always the same. I can see both camps. I can see why people are annoyed at the kind of what they see as the woo-woo mystical. And I'm a, I can see why the internal people are frustrated that the others can't see this is actually part of the art. I can, I can see both, you know. But um, to me, ultimately, like, they're two separate things. They can come together, of course, but they're two separate things largely with regards to aim. And for me, these internal qualities are about that. Like, it's far more useful for me personally in this day and age to train my Tai Chi and Bagua to assist me with my meditative training, with my consciousness develop. That's really what I'm, I'm interested in. And I think that's what most people who come to me are interested in to, to study, essentially. So that, that's what we do. If I were to defend myself, luckily I have a, a good jab and a nice right hook. So <laughs> I can rely on those. <laughs>